One of the problems that I see is that a lot of Christians have this idea that basically if you add God to your thinking, that that's a biblical worldview. Or, you know, take a curriculum, a curriculum that has all sorts of what I would call Bible stories in it. And so I challenge people that because of the way words have changed meaning and because the Bible has come under attack as a book of history in a big way, if anything, we should be overemphasizing the Bible as a book of history. It's God's history book. Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Some topics hit the field of education with a flash, some slide in through the back door, and some quickly come and go, while others linger and silently disappear. But there's one topic that must remain front and center in Christian education, and that's the topic of biblical worldview. Unfortunately, so many, even those serving in Christian education, assume that if something is Christian, a biblical worldview is just innate. It's automatic and assumed. But is it? That question is just one of the many that we're going to explore in today's episode of the Teacher Edition podcast. But first, let me welcome you back. For those of you who listen in regularly, thank you. Our heart is to share a podcast that's practical and God-honoring and encouraging, and we hope that you're experiencing that as you tune in regularly. And if I could, I would love to invite you to leave us a rating and even a review. Believe it or not, your reviews help others find this podcast as well. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, welcome. We're thrilled that you found this podcast, and we look forward to you joining us each week. And by the way, Don't forget to take time and go back and catch up on those episodes that you may have missed. Each one is different and welcomes a fantastic guest, adding so much insight and expertise to the show. Of course, I want to remind all of our listeners to follow us on social media. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. Once again, that's Teacher Edition Pod. And lastly, we are looking for your questions. So I want to invite you to go to our website. That's teacheredition.podcast.com. There you can subscribe to our emails and read more about the podcast, but you can also submit your questions. These are questions that we share at the end of our episode, so you'll want to be sure to check that out. It is really just a simple click of a button and you can record your question and then be sure to listen to the end of our episodes to hear as we share questions that have been submitted. All right, let's start unpacking again this topic of biblical worldview. And if you have listened into many of our episodes at all, you know that this is a topic that is at our core, not only of this podcast, but also of the materials that are produced by BJ Press. Our worldview affects everything, and I don't think that's too outrageous of a statement. At the start of this podcast, I referenced the fact that so often there's an assumption that if something is Christian, it has a biblical worldview. So zooming in on this, since this is a podcast for Christian educators, Is that an accurate statement? Is it accurate to assume that if a school is Christian, it has a biblical worldview? Now, I would assume that if it's Christian, there's a presence of the Bible in the school. But does a biblical worldview permeate that educational organization? As we explore this more, I think it would be good for us to take a few steps back and again talk about what is a worldview and what effect does it have? In my many years as an educator, and honestly, in my years as a Christian, I have heard many people talk about worldview. 
But there have been some very notable individuals that have made a really deep impression when it comes to looking at a biblical worldview. And one such person is Dr. Ken Ham, and I'm thrilled that he is here with us today to join in the discussion. I'm guessing many of our listeners are familiar with Ken Ham, but for those of you who may not recognize his name, maybe you're familiar with the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, or Answers in Genesis, of which he's the founder and CEO. Originally from Australia, Dr. Ham moved to America in 1987, and he has worked tirelessly as a biblical apologist. In addition to the Ark and the museum, he has a magazine, a radio show, books, and even Answers TV. If you have heard him speak, you have likely been taken back to Genesis 1 through 11 to answer the life questions that are swirling around us. And I'm kind of guessing we may be taken back there today as we revisit this critical topic of biblical worldview. So Dr. Ham, welcome to the Teacher Edition podcast. Hi, Jenny. Hey, it's great to be with you, and I love to talk about this topic, obviously. So let's get started. So as we start today, let's go back to the basics. So Dr. Ham, I wondered if you could start us off with answering this question, what is a worldview? And maybe as a part B to that question, does everyone have a worldview? Well, first of all, let me answer the second part first, and that is everyone has a worldview uh, because everyone has a religion. You know, even atheists uh, try to make out, oh, we don't have a religion uh, because we don't worship God and so on. But everyone has a way of thinking, a way of thinking that determines how they look at evidence, how they interpret evidence, a way of thinking that determines your worldview. And I sort of like to explain to people a worldview is sort of like a pair of glasses. You know, I, I have my reading glasses on. As you get older, you find things deteriorate for some reason. I think it's something to do with Genesis about the fall. Uh, but uh, it, and your eyes aren't as good. But everybody actually has on glasses, and your glasses are the way in which you look at the world. Your worldview really comes out of beliefs that you have concerning reality, concerning uh, who you are, uh, where the universe came from, what it's all about. All of us have certain beliefs that determine our worldview. And the bottom line is, ultimately, there are only two worldviews. And we can talk about that. Uh, but those worldviews depend upon the foundation you have. And that foundation is one of starting from God's word or starting from man's word. A worldview is not something you pull out of the air. You know, you don't just pull it out of the air. And where does your thinking come from? We have beliefs. We, we have certain presuppositions uh, about who we are, about this universe. And that determines how we build that worldview. It, it's you know, I've had many people over the years in the church that have um, asked me questions like, well, how do you fit dinosaurs with the Bible? Or how do, you, how do you fit death and suffering with a loving God? And immediately I say to myself, they don't understand worldview. Most Christians don't understand worldview. Uh, most churches don't teach worldview. See, a lot of people think it's sort of like, well, we look at the world and how do we, how do we mesh that with the Bible? Well, you don't do that. That's the wrong question to ask. If we understand what the Bible is, the Bible is a revelation from God who knows everything. Think about that. Compared to what God knows, we know next door to nothing. And God has revealed to us the elements of history that we need to know to enable us to have the key information to build the right way of thinking about everything. And so 
when we understand that the Bible is to be the foundation and ultimately the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you said it before, they're the foundation for the rest of the Bible, the foundation for all of our doctrine, foundation for the gospel, foundation for our whole way of thinking, for our biblical worldview. Actually, Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. You can't talk about worldview without Genesis 1 to 11 because it's the foundation for everything. And so if you understand worldview, we realize we start from God's word in Genesis and we build our way of thinking to then understand the world before us. Because, you know, God tells us that this universe has gone through changes. First of all, there wasn't a universe and then God created and it was perfect. And then he created the first man and woman and the first man rebelled. That changed everything, sin into the world and then death as a result of sin and God cursed the ground, and then we read about the flood of Noah's day and the Tower of Babel. That's Genesis 1 to 11, actually. And that's a history in geology, biology, astronomy, anthropology that's foundational to everything. So that's where our worldview comes from. If you don't start from God's word, there is only ultimately one other foundation, and that's man's word. And, you know, one thing I can say here at the start, too, and that is when people add evolution, millions of years, ideas like that to the Bible, their starting point is no longer God's word because when you add man's fallible beliefs into the Bible, then you no longer have the infallible word as your foundation. So then even, even though you've got God's word, if you've introduced man's word into the Bible, your starting point is actually man's word, and, and that's the issue. And so I have on my biblical glasses based on God's word so I can interpret the evidence before me in the right way. Okay, so with that groundwork laid, it seems safe to assume that there's more than one worldview. I think you kind of touched on that a little. How many worldviews are there? In an ultimate sense, there's only two foundations, God's word, man's word. So therefore, there's only two worldviews, ultimately. And, you know, this is the clash that we see in our culture right now. We have a clash of worldviews because we have a clash of foundations, when you go back to Genesis, oh, there we are. We're going back to Genesis again. When you go back to Genesis, God said to the first man, Adam, you can eat of all the trees, just one tree and not eat of, because if you do, you surely die. In other words, obey God's word. But the devil came along and said, did God really say? That's in Genesis 3.1. The first attack was you don't trust God's word. You doubt God's word. I call it the Genesis 3 attack. And then you can be like God. In other words, you be your own God. So that's that uh, clash, if you like, between God's word, man's word. At the Creation Museum, when people first walk into the exhibits, we explain to them that there's two starting points to build worldviews, God's word, man's word. And we need to understand that this relates to the fact, too, there's no such thing as a neutral position. There is no neutral worldview. And all the way through Scripture, if you go through Scripture, you see this a clash of foundations, God's word, man's word, you see it uh, portrayed as a battle between light and darkness, those who gather, those who scatter, those who are for Christ, those who are against, those who build a house on the rock, those who build a house on the sand, those who trust the fountain of living waters uh, versus those who put their trust in the broken cisterns of man. I, I mean, all the way through Scripture, you see this. So when people have this idea that secular is neutral, 
No, a secular worldview is an anti-God worldview, and it has the wrong foundation of man's word. A Christian worldview is one based on the absolutes of God's word. So we need to understand there are two foundations, two worldviews, and those worldviews also determine our morality. So the foundation you start from not only determines how you interpret the world around us today, why do we see different people groups, why do we see different fossils, uh, fossils all over the earth, uh, why is there death and suffering, why is there disease, but also uh, what is right and wrong, what is good and evil, who determines that, where does it come from. And in our own culture today as a practical application, because we have now generations come through a public education system that's given them the foundation of man's word, so now we see their worldview of moral relativism, which is now dominating the culture because it comes out comes from that foundation. And as another application, in our churches, because 80 to 85% of kids from church homes have gone to public schools, they have got the wrong foundation of man's word, and yet so many churches uh, are saying, you know, yeah, you can believe what you're taught at public school and the rest, that's okay, just trust in Jesus, Johnny. They're trying to put parts of a Christian worldview on top of the wrong foundation, and it doesn't work because in the long run, most of them have left the church, and that's what we've seen happen. So let's start focusing in even more on today's topic, a biblical or Christian worldview. So we've talked a lot about that. We've talked about the two different types. You've kind of started to break into what that actually looks like. How would you define a Christian or a biblical worldview? A biblical worldview is one where we start from God's word to build our way of thinking. Now, one of the problems that I see is that a lot of Christians have this idea that basically if you add God to your thinking, uh, that that's a biblical worldview. Or, you know, take a curriculum, a curriculum that has all sorts of what I would call Bible stories in it, Jonah and the Great Fish, Feeding of the 5,000, Paul's Missionary Journey. I don't like to use the word story anymore in regard to the Bible because the Bible is a book of history. And although the word story generations ago could mean history, by and large today it means fairy tale. And so kids have this idea, oh, we have stories at church, real stuff at school, stories at church. And so I challenge people that because of the way words have changed meaning and because the Bible has come under attack as a book of history in a big way in our day, and particularly the history in Genesis 1 to 11, if anything, we should be overemphasizing the Bible as a book of history. It's God's history book. So I like to use the word like the account of or the record of. But a lot of people have this idea, if you just go through the Bible and, you know, you, you, uh, talk about all these accounts that are in the Bible uh, that we're teaching a biblical worldview. Well, you're teaching accounts that the Bible is relating to us, but a biblical worldview means you're starting from the Bible and particularly the ultimate foundation there of Genesis 1 to 11 to build the right way of thinking in geology, in biology, in astronomy, in anthropology. See, some people have the idea that, oh, you know, we study the Bible uh, from 9 to 10, Monday to Friday, uh, whether in homeschool or whether in Christian school, you know, we're studying the Bible 910, then we do math, then we do science. So, and I say, no, it's a wrong way to think. That means you don't really understand a Christian worldview because the Bible is the foundation for everything, for every area. And so you, 
you know, if you're really uh, giving a Christian education, you should be giving the foundation of God's word to start with in every area. It doesn't matter what the area is. I mean, math, in a sense, you could say is inherently Christian if you believe in absolutes, but but we're finding more and more that uh, even in a modern world that they're even departing from that, even when teaching math and physics and, and, and so on. And so we really need to understand, too, that you can't Christianize a secular worldview. You, you can't just add God's word uh, and, and Christian teaching to a secular worldview. It's like I said before, when you have these kids from public schools that have come to our churches, their foundation is man's word. And then we try to Christianize it by adding things in at the top. It's not going to work. You have to start from the foundation up, which is why ultimately I would say in most instances you can't Christianize secular textbooks. You know, the majority of our Christian schools, for instance, and a lot of homeschools increasingly too, use secular textbooks. And they think, oh, by adding God to it or having lessons about God or lessons about what we read in the Bible, that we have a Christian worldview. No, that's totally wrong. Uh, you can't Christianize a secular a secular worldview. It's either Christian or secular, and that depends on the foundation you've got. You've got to have the right foundation of God's word, not the foundation of man's word. Yeah, that's excellent. And I'm glad you, glad you brought up about the textbooks because I want to come back to that. But the more we talk about this worldview, the more it stands in contrast to the world around us. So give us some insights on how how a Christian should understand this present world in regard to a biblical or a Christian worldview? Well, for instance, one of the most asked questions I've been asked over the years uh, by Christian and non-Christian too, uh, but is, okay, if we believe in a God of love as Christians, how do we explain death, suffering, and disease? Why why do some Christians seem to suffer horribly? And, and, and you know, how do we deal with that when God is a God of love? And then the, the non-Christian, of course, puts it, oh, there can't be a God of love. Look at all the death and suffering in the world. You know, how do you account for that? Of course, for the non-Christian, it's really easy to explain to them that, well, how can you accuse something is bad or something is good or something's evil or something's unjust? Because they often say, you know, God is God must be unjust. Well, if you're if you're an atheist, how can you accuse God of being unjust? And what do you base uh, your uh, worldview, you know, your your um, morality, how, you can't accuse somebody of being unjust or somebody of being immoral uh, because you don't have a basis in an absolute authority. So, you know, to deal with an, a non-Christian, that's one thing. But for the Christians, what we need to understand is this, is that you can't, like I said earlier, you can't look at the world and say, look at all the death and suffering and disease. How do we, how do we fit that with a loving God? No, if you have a, a Christian worldview, you start from God's word and you build from Genesis 1 to 11 where we find everything was very good, but man's sin messed everything up. And because of man's sin, now we have the intrusion of death because the Bible calls death an enemy. And we have the promise of the Savior right there. But then we also go on and find out about the flood of Noah's day. And then we find out about the Tower of Babel. The point is when you start from God's word to build our way of thinking, then we understand we are not looking at the world as God made it. We're looking at a world that was once very good. It once it was all joy. It was all good. Uh, there was no death. There was no hate. There was no evil. 
But the world we're looking at today is very different. It's a world where we have joy and hate, where we have love uh, and, 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 and hate and evil, where we have death and life where we have health and disease. I mean, it seems like such a contradictory world. And the reason is because, as Romans 8 says, this is a groaning world because of sin. So looking at the world through our biblical glasses, we would say, oh, the reason there's death and disease is because we sinned in Adam. Oh, that means because we sinned, we committed high treason against the God of creation. We don't even deserve to exist. But God loves us so much that even though we and Adam sinned and he said the penalty will be death, your bodies will die because we're made in the image of God. Our, our soul will not die. We'll live forever, but we can't live with a holy God. But he promised that he would provide a way for us to come back to be with him. And he actually sent his son, as we know, to be one of us, uh, one of the Human family, that's where it's important to understand biblical worldview. We're all one race. There are no different races because we're all descendants of Adam. So we're all Adam's race, which is why we're all sinners, which is why we all die, which is why the message of salvation is for every tribe, nation, language, people group. Uh, that's important to understand there. And then to understand that uh, Jesus conquered death. He rose from the dead, offers a free gift to salvation. And so, therefore, it's really important uh, for us to understand that death is an enemy, an intrusion because of sin. One day, death will be thrown into the lake of fire. So death itself will be judged, and there'll be a new heavens and new earth, which is a restoration put back to what it was. But while we're living on this earth, we are living in an earth where we have to suffer the consequences of our sin. We're not above sin's consequences. And we have to remember that we don't deserve anything. So we should be looking at all this death, disease, and suffering and saying, you know, like Paul, woe is me. Who can deliver me from this, uh, you know, bondage of sin and death? And in other words, look what I have done to the world. Look what I in Adam and all of us collectively have done to the world. And so instead of saying, how do we fit this with a loving God? We should be saying, look what we did. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. We sinned in Adam and God stepped into history to save us from what we did. It's a whole different way of looking at it. And when you understand that, you also recognize, too, you can't have fossils millions of years before man. Fossils are dead things. And in the fossil record, there's evidence of diseases like cancer. How could all that exist before man when God said everything was very good? Uh, and, and it wasn't until after man sinned that death and disease came into the world. So again, you've got to start from your Christian worldview. Now, we could go and do the same thing with dinosaurs and any other topic you want to name, starting from God's word to have the right biblical glasses to look at it correctly. Very insightful. How important it is that we view God and ourselves in the right light, and that's through the lens of Scripture. And with that, we conclude the first part of this conversation about biblical worldview. Listeners, we have so much more to cover in part two teaching evolution to Christian school students, finding a place for secular textbooks in Christian schools. These are just two of the topics that we're going to talk with Dr. Ham about when we return for part two. Be sure to tune in. You won't want to miss the rest of this conversation. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. 
Remember to go to teacheredictionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through His grace working in you. Now go do what God has called you to do. Thank you.